Let us open up our Bibles, amen, to the book of Galatians. To the book of Galatians, chapter 6. We're going to be reading out of verses 1 and verse 2 out of the New King James Version. I'm going to do some teaching uh, today. Amen. We're going to try not to be too loud today. We don't want to scare away our visitors. Amen. But we do want to do some teaching. I believe that this uh, teaching is long time coming. Amen. And I will explain to you why. Amen. And uh, The Bible says this in the book of Galatians chapter 1, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Amen. For a little bit, I want to teach on this topic and we'll probably teach on it for the next for the rest of the month on Sunday on the topic of the ministry of restoration amen the ministry of restoration you see God had the ministry of reconciliation where he reconciled the world back unto him through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You see, church, we were on our way to hell until God came on the scene and gave his life for us. And so he reconciled us back unto him. That was his ministry. But our ministry is the ministry of restoration. Amen. The ministry of restoration. Father, we love you and we appreciate you, Lord. We just thank you, Father God, for all that you do and all that you're going to continue to do in this place and in the hearts of those that are here. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We know that it is powerful. It's anointed. Father, we just pray that a seed would be deposited into somebody's life today, Father, that we would walk out of this place just a little bit different than the way we walked in. Father, change our hearts. Change our minds change our lives so that we could bear good fruit and so that you could receive honor and you could receive glory in Jesus name amen you all may be seated in Jesus name amen as we talk today about the ministry of restoration amen the ministry of restoration the reason why I wanted to talk to you all about this today and to get into this teaching is because I've been receiving a lot of phone calls and I've been receiving uh, uh, emails and text messages from individuals, amen, that are no longer with us, amen, not necessarily no longer with us here, but no longer with us in the army of the Lord, amen, whether, uh, how many of you have a, a, a family member or a friend or an individual that you know, amen, was, uh, uh, that served the Lord at one time that is no longer serving the Lord, 
amen, that is out there, uh, whether the, uh, uh, they themselves took them out or maybe they were uh, sabotaged by the devil, amen, or, or maybe it was the world that influenced them like Demas, amen, when he was with the Apostle Paul, amen, on one of his missionary journeys, amen, that just took him right out of the will of God, took him right back into the world, amen. So if you could just for a moment think of someone who was once on fire, amen, for God, Think of somebody right now, amen, who was once on fire for God, who was once on fire for the things of the Lord, amen, someone that had a desire to walk with the Lord and somebody that had a desire to, to talk to the Lord and to commune to the Lord and somebody that had a desire, maybe it was a, maybe it's a child of yours, amen, I can tell you right now that not of all of our children, amen, are serving the Lord right now. At one time they were, amen, they were on fire for the things of God, they were on fire for the ministry of the Lord, amen, and now they don't find themselves in the house of the Lord anymore. How many of you have somebody on your mind right now? now that you can think of, whether it is a, 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 a family member, a, a nephew, a grandchild, a, a child of your own, amen, that was once on fire and once served God with all of their heart, their mind, and their soul. Somebody that was all in at one time, that was 100% active for God. Maybe this individual was an usher. Amen. Maybe he was a, a Sunday school teacher or an administrator or over a, a certain ministry, a deacon, a minister, or even a pastor. Or maybe this individual sang in the choir, amen, played an instrument. Or maybe was just a, a faithful member in the church, serving and, and helping wherever help was needed. Amen. Uh, whatever you need, brother, I'll be there. Uh, whatever you need, sister, I'll be there to pick you up to make sure you're in prayer. Uh, I'll be there to pick you up to make sure you're there on Wednesday night service. Uh, I'll be there to pick you up to make sure that uh, we worship and we praise together on a Sunday morning. Uh, amen. As the Holy Ghost moves in our heart and moves in our life. Uh, how many of you can remember an individual that maybe you grew up with from the time you came into the Lord uh, up until the time that they walked out of the church? Amen. I'm talking today about an individual that you know an individual that you know loved and served the Lord with all of their heart, with all of their mind, and all of their soul. But now that person has been sabotaged by the devil. Amen. They're no longer amongst the body of believers. And the reason can be countless. Church, it can be limitless. Amen. There are many reasons. Maybe that individual decided to, to uh, uh, go into the world and fulfill the lust of the flesh. Or maybe they desired to rebel against God and not want to serve him anymore. Or, or maybe they're dealing with some kind of heartache, amen, and they're blaming God because I lost my mother or I lost my father or I lost a child. And, and why did you take them from me? And we blame God, amen, and we raise our fist at God uh, and we decide that serving God isn't for us uh, anymore sometimes. 
type of heartbreak, some type of, of struggle or some type of issue, or maybe God hasn't moved fast enough in your life. God, I, I prayed for a week. I prayed for two weeks, and I've been praying all year, and I don't see the hand of God moving. Uh, and so maybe this isn't going to happen here. Maybe God doesn't want it for me in my life, but rejection, amen, isn't always a no. Sometimes it's just to wait for the right time. Amen. We heard that in a Bible study not too long given by one of our reverends here. Amen. That a lot of times, uh, amen, God will say no, but it doesn't mean no forever. It just means no. Maybe you're not ready. Maybe, you know, it's like giving a child a razor, amen, to shave their face. Uh, you're not going to give a five-year-old a razor. You're not going to give a 10-year-old a razor because they're going to hurt themselves. And God says, if I give it to you right now, you're going to hurt yourself. And say, you got to wait a little longer. But it doesn't mean no. And some people walk out on God and they, they leave God. Can you say amen? Amen. Maybe somebody in the church hurt them. And they are no longer serving the Lord anymore. You know, church hurt is huge. Because nobody comes to the house of the Lord expecting to be hurt by fellow Christians. If we want to get hurt in the church, we should just stay in the world. If we want to be hurt, amen. And so there are many reasons, there's countless reasons why people leave, amen. They, they no longer have the joy of the Lord in their heart, uh, amen. And that, that spark that they once had, it, it faded away and they no longer have that, that cutting edge, that Holy Ghost activated in their life anymore. The power of God is gone, amen. Fallen angels, fallen Christians, fallen fellow comrades in God's army that have been ambushed by the devil, taken captive by the evil one. Amen. I'm talking about today, church, I'm, I'm talking about our brothers and our sisters in the Lord who are broken and need mending. I'm talking about saints of God that have been taken captive by their own desires, by the world, or by the devil himself, and they need restoration. Amen. That's what we're teaching on today. And so I want you to think about this individual and the importance of restoration in their life. Do, do, do you have somebody in your mind right now that you're thinking of? Keep that person at the forefront of your mind throughout this lesson today. Somebody that has strayed, somebody that, is, that has fallen away, somebody that was, that was probably a doorkeeper here at the house of God, somebody that was a, a mentor, somebody that was a teacher, somebody that, that you saw in the pews for many years, uh, and they were faithful, and they loved God, and they worshiped with you, and they praised with you, and they were there with you, and they, they cried with you, and they builded with you, and they lifted you up, and they, they did certain things with you, but no longer do they find themselves uh, in the joy of the Lord. No longer do they find themselves in the house of the Lord. No longer do they find themselves in the work of the Lord. No longer do they find themselves in the army of the Lord. They've fallen away and they're out there and they're being held captive by their mind. They're being held captive by their thoughts. They're being held captive by their emotions and by their feelings. They're being held captive by the devil himself. And these individuals need restoration. 
Amen. And so I want you to think about this individual, but I want you to think about the importance of restoration in their life. Uh, Look, church, it's not just uh, for the body of Christ, uh, but it's for them and the future of their families. Amen. I would love to see them all back in the house of the Lord. I would love to see them all plugged in into a church. I would love to see them worshiping. I would love to see them involved. I would love to be working side by side with them in the trenches. But most importantly, I would love to see them at my side as we walk into the gates of heaven together. Them holding their families, their children, their loved ones, their mothers, their fathers, their nieces, their nephews. So it's not just about the body of Christ, uh, but it's about the family and their children uh, and their children's children uh, that have an opportunity to make heaven their home. Amen. And so the Bible lets us know in the book of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, remember we're teaching today, it says this, the Apostle Paul says this to the church of Galatia. He says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you, everybody say you, point to the neighbor next to you, look at him and and, and tell him you, the church, tell him Paul's talking to you because he starts off with the word brethren. Brethren. So he's addressing the church. He's addressing you and he's addressing me. Those that are part of the church. He says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you, the church, who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Amen. And so right here, right away, we find out that the Apostle Paul is not addressing the people in the world. He's not addressing the people out there in the streets. He is coming to the congregation. He is coming to the church. He says, hey, everybody, I need you to come in here. I need you to talk about something that is important. And he says, you that are still spiritual, you that are still in the race, you that are still in the trenches, it is your responsibility ability to go into the world and to grab that fallen comrade amen remember no soldier is left behind in the united states army why should it be any different in the army of god you know the government spends millions of dollars to go in and to retrieve soldiers that have been held captive by the enemies. Uh, they spend millions of dollars to go in covertly late at night, uh, amen, with special services uh, to go in there and fight for their teammates and fight for their comrades and to bring them home, even if it's in a bag, uh, amen. Uh, how much more in the house of God, uh, amen, that you and I should be called uh, to go into the highways, to go into the byways uh, and to encourage that individual and bring him back to the salvation of the Lord. Amen. The Apostle Paul says, if a man is overtaken in a fault or in a trespass, you, the church, he puts it on us. Remember, church, it's not just about you. 
It's about others too. It's about taking as many people as we can to heaven. Amen. He says, you who are spiritual, restore. Everybody say restore. Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Say be gentle. Come on, be gentle. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Amen. The Apostle Paul speaking to the church. He's speaking to the body of believers. And he's speaking to them about how to restore a fellow member that has fallen away. The Apostle Paul comes on the scene and he sees the church and he says, man, there's a lot of empty seats. What's going on? I mean, that's not why these seats are empty, by the way. We have about five families out that made contact this morning. But he walks into the church and he says, well, we're sister so-and-so and where's brother so-and-so? I really like that brother. And that sister was so nice. She made the best tortillas. And, and where is this, this individual? And where's that little boy that used to run around in the pews, amen, and, and used to jump all over the place and do certain things? Well, they're no longer with us. They're out there in the world. Well, why don't you go get them? Who do you have on that? Who do you have calling them? Who do you have checking up on them? Who do you have reaching out to them? Hey, we missed you in service. Hey, we still got you in prayer. Hey, the light is still on. The door is still open. The Apostle Paul walked in and says, okay, well, who's going to go grab them? Do I need to go get them? And so that's what we're talking about today is the, is the ministry of restoration. And I think that's where the church has been lacking for years is that nobody wants to go after them. They're, they're written off and they're ostracized and they're unfriended and they're talked about and they're lied on and they're, they're just a name, a, a line is, is, is drawn through their name. They no longer exist. They're forgotten about. And that's not what our ministry is about. It is about restoring an individual. It is about building somebody up. Uh, it is about mending an individual. Amen. And we're going to get into that because I feel in my heart, I feel it in my spirit, a lot of people that have fallen away and, and I reach out to individuals and I, hey, I'm still praying for you, brother. Hey, let's get together. Hey, just pop in. Hey, watch us online. Just, we're still rooting for you. We're still uh, praying for you. We're still here. We're still behind you. Amen. Just get back into the race. Get back into the game. Come on, we'll take you back uh, or we'll plug you in somewhere, somewhere else. It doesn't matter. But that's not how the church has been. And I'm not saying this church. I'm saying churches in general. Amen. And, and, I, and, and for those of you that listen to my message on, on, on Wednesday night on, on uh, cleaning the inside, the church has a tendency to, to, to look at the appearance of an individual. And, and because you don't look like me, you can't serve. And because you don't wear the clothes that I wear, you can't be part of this. Uh, and because you don't do this and you don't look that, it's all about appearance. And God is saying if the church could just get Pass the way people look uh, and start dealing with the heart of an individual. Oh, come on, somebody. Amen. And so the church, amen, at times does more damage than they do good. 
Because they push an individual further away from God instead of drawing them closer to God and closer to his love. Amen. And so the Apostle Paul in this portion of Scripture is speaking to the church. He's speaking to them about how to restore a fellow member that has been fallen away. And so there's three things that I want to touch on tonight in this lesson or this morning. Amen. Three things that I want the church to see regarding this. And the first thing is this. Is the ministry of restoration. That is the first and foremost important thing, which is the ministry of restoration. Because the Apostle Paul in this text, he uses the word restore. Amen. He uses the word restore. He says that we, the church, must restore the one that has fallen. We have to restore the one that has fallen. Amen. And so when you look at the word here that is being used, restore, it comes from a root word which literally means to mend. It literally means to mend, like a broken bone. Amen. How many of you have ever had a broken bone? Just four of us, five of us. Amen. You know, when I was younger, it does, you, you're, you know, I don't look it now, but I used to be in sports. Amen. And so when I was a teenager, amen, um, my father put me and my two younger brothers, amen, in karate when I was at the age of 12. And I did that all the way up until I was about 18. And then I fell away for a little bit and I came back for a few more years Amen. And so my brother and I, uh, my brothers and I, we got really good at it. Amen. We, we actually got our black belts at the age of 18. And so my father would take us all over the country. He would take us, he especially loved to take us into Mexico because there are no rules in Mexico when you get into the thing. It's, it's almost like, a, like chicken fights. Amen. And so he used to like to take us to these full contact uh, competitions. Amen. But I remember one time we were in Vegas and we were competing in a tournament. And I was there and I was in there with an individual that I was competing against. And I remember throwing a kick to this individual. And what they did was they backed up and they lifted their knee on purpose. And I caught their knee with my big toe. And what happened was my big toe went all the way into my foot. It broke in several places and it pushed all the way into my foot. And so I fell and obviously I was in pain. It was hurting. Some of your faces are like, yeah, that's how I was. You know, and so, so it hurt. Amen. It hurt. I had uh, uh, several broken bones. Uh, and I remember, amen, there was uh, some uh, medical people that were there, amen, that had to be there by law. And they came in and they began to look at my foot and began to rub it. Amen. And then my father comes along and he was real super competitive, Brother Greg. He, he wasn't going to take a broken foot for me to stop competing in that tournament. And so here he comes out of nowhere and he grabs my toe and he pulls it out of my foot. Amen. And so there I am, I'm screaming and, and I'm making all kinds of noise and, and, and they push my father out of the way and people are mad and people are angry and just tape him up. I can hear my dad, just tape him up, just tape up his foot. And, and, and it was like the karate uh, kid scene. 
except with the gentle heat and rubbing without it. No wax on, wax off. And so what they do is they end up taping up my foot, uh, amen, and everything is done, we're done, and, and we leave. And, and my father, he doesn't take me to the doctor right after that. He takes me home, five hours away. He takes me home, and he picks up some pain meds uh, over the counters, and he gives them to me. And for three or four days, I'm dying in my room, and I'm, I'm in pain. I can't get up, and I feel my toe throbbing, and it's fat, and it's swollen. And he says, you're going to be okay. Just keep taking that Tylenol. You're going to heal just fine. And, and finally, about a week later, he drives me six hours away into Mexico. He takes me into a hospital into Mexico, and they put me under, and I wake up hours later with, with a big old nail sticking out of a, a steel thing sticking out of my toe that ran all the way into my foot and all kinds of crazy stuff. They put a walking cast on me, and he's already trying to send me to practice that night when we got home. Just go. You have to be there. You have to watch. You can hop around. You can walk around. That's a walking cast. That means you can still walk. How many competitive parents like that? <laughs> and so there I am. I'm watching and I'm going. And, you know, these walking casts are not too strong. And so right away it breaks at the heel. And it's not a walking cast no more. I'm just walking. And, you know, it gets all dirty and, and all kinds of stuff. And everything's happening. So uh, eventually what happens is he drives me back into Mexico. They grab a, a, a drill and they hook it up to the bottom, a cordless drill that he pulls out. And he hooks it up and he spins it out, takes it out, and he gives me the thing. And he says, okay, you're free to go. You're healed. You know, just take some time to walk on it, run on it, don't do nothing. And so what happened now, because uh, it, it wasn't uh, tended to properly... Because it didn't mend properly, because the bone didn't heal properly, now I have to buy shoes one bigger than the other sometimes. You can ask my wife. I always have to try on my right foot and walk with it, and if it doesn't feel right, I have to change, get a box and swap out the shoes and to get a, a 10 and a 9.5. You guys are laughing. You think, ask my wife. Huh? I'm the guy that swaps shoes. I'm the one. Dang it. I'm the one. And so whenever somebody buys me shoes, uh, whenever somebody buys, sometimes I'm like, man, just don't buy me shoes because a lot of times I have to get one bigger than the other. Now the brothers are going to buy me a pair of shoes. One's going to be a 10 and one's going to be a nine and a half. Amen. But what I'm saying is that what happened was because they didn't tend to the wound, they didn't tend to the break properly, now I have problems with it. That I'm in pain sometimes when it's cold. I've developed arthritis. Uh, I've got certain things going on. It looks ugly. You won't see me with no warachis. They bought me some warachis, and I wear them in the comfort of my house because I got ugly feet. Amen. And I know it sounds funny, but 
That's what happens when a broken bone isn't mended correctly. For those of you guys that have ever had a break, uh, and you know those people that just rip off the cast in a week, and I'm fine, uh, and I got it, uh, amen, and I'm good to go, and you're already out there, and it still needs time to heal. It still needs time to mend. It still needs time to restore. That way that bone can heal properly. And you know what happens with a bone when it heals properly? It never breaks in the same place ever again. It actually gets stronger, they say. It actually gets stronger. It'll break somewhere else, but it won't break there. Amen. And so it is with our broken and fallen comrades in the Lord. Amen. It needs to be done slowly and gently. A healing process needs to take place. Amen. Because the heal, the break does not heal right away. And because it doesn't heal right away, you can't force it. You can't push it. You can't be rough with it. It's like a football player on the field that gets hit at full force and he falls on his back. They don't walk up to him and say, hey, what's up, man? Get up. You know the game. Get back in. No. They bring the cart. They bring the medics. Uh, and they wheel them off the cart. They drive them off and they take them for x-rays. Uh, and they take them for this and they take them for that. And they're gentle with the individual. They don't make them go back into the game. They don't make them do certain things. Uh, they're not rough with them. They're gentle with them. And so it is uh, when somebody is broken. Uh, and so it is when somebody is needs mending. It's got to be done in a gentle fashion. Can you say Amen. Amen. Otherwise, they don't heal correctly. That break is still going to be there. And so the Apostle Paul instructed the church to be gentle. Everybody say gentle. Amen. He instructed everybody to help mend the break, to, to help mend the wound, to help mend the terror, to help mend the one that has fallen away from the presence of God and help him gently to come back into the fold. That is our ministry. And so this message is more for those that have been in the Lord for a while that need to go out there and grab your loved ones and be gentle with them so that they can come back into the house of the Lord. And even those that are sitting in the pew. Because how many of you know that you can be fallen right there where you're at? An individual can be backslidden in their heart right there where they're at. And so we have to be gentle. Everybody say gentle. Amen. And so the first thing is uh, that the Apostle Paul is, is trying to teach the church and show the church uh, is the ministry of restoration. You know, a lot of churches don't know how to restore those that are broken. A lot of churches don't know how to restore those uh, that need restoration. Amen. They just call them in and they tell them, hey, man, just suck it up, buttercup, and get back in the game and do this and do that. And they're still broken. And they need healing and they need mending. 
And so we got the ministry of restoration that he leaves us. But then the next thing is the manner in which you restore. That one is huge. The manner of restoration. Somebody say, we have to know how to restore somebody. First is we got to be willing to help restore somebody. And the second thing is, is we have to know how. We have to know how. And so Paul instructed the church to do it in a spirit of meekness. In other words, he wanted the church to do it in a spirit of humility, in a spirit of gentleness, to do it with some TLC, with some tender love and some care. Amen. There's a powerful story that I want to walk you through in the book of Luke, chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. And it's the famous story of the prodigal son. Luke 15. We're teaching today. And this parable right here, when you look at it, uh, when you look at a parable, for those of you that don't know what a parable is, a parable is uh, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Amen. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's what a parable is. And, and Jesus Christ spoke in parables. He spoke in parables because he wanted people to dig into his word because it wasn't going to be for everybody. It was just going to be for those that desired it and wanted to put into work to find out what Jesus Christ was really talking about, the mysteries of God. I mean, you know what a mystery is, right? A mystery is something you got to figure out, something you got to investigate, something you got you to gotta look into. It's like being a detective, amen, and you're trying to find out and figure out a crime or, or something that happened. Amen. And you got to piece everything together. And that's why Jesus Christ says, look, if you love me and you want to follow me and you want to know about me, then I'm going to drop this little bit on you. But you're going to have to put in the work to understand what I'm saying and how it's going to be meaningful to you in your life. Amen. And so in this particular parable, it's talking about a son that left the father's house. In other words, it's talking about an individual that uh, that was in the church, in the father's house, and that left the father's house, that left the church and went into the world. Amen. And so he says this. The Bible says this in Luke 15, starting in verse 11, it said, that a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods that falls to me. So he decided, he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent everything that he had, there arose a famine there in the land, and he began to be in need. He began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But the Bible says that when he came to himself... 
He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. He says, I will arise and go back to my father. And I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so the Bible says that he rose up and he went to back to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead and is now alive again. He was lost and now is found. And they began to be merry. Amen. That right there is a portion is a powerful portion of scripture, church. It's a powerful portion of scripture. Because although this child came to his father and he and he said, Dad, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be in the in the house of the Lord no more. I don't want to be here in your house. Uh, give me my inheritance. Give me my money. Give me everything that you have set apart for me. And the Bible says that the father gave it to him and he went and he he was out there carousing the street. He was living, he was uh, living a, a prodigal life, the Bible says. In other words, a, a sinful life. And and when he ran out of money. And he found himself in the pig pen eating the same food that the pigs were eating. The Bible says that he came to his senses and he said, man, I had it better in my father's house. It was better in my father's house. I was, I was sober in my father's house. I, was, uh, uh, I wasn't confused in my father's house. Uh, I wasn't being abused in my father's house. Uh, I was being blessed in my father's house. Uh, doors were opening in my father's house. Uh, and the minute I came to the world, everything stopped. Uh, and as soon as I ran out of money, he was left alone. How is it that, you know, you're in the world, you got a little bit of money in your pocket, all of a sudden everybody's your friend? And then the minute that money runs out, they don't even answer your phone call no more. You come and you knock and they look at you in the peephole and they treat you like a JW. Turn down the TV, walk away real slowly. (laughs) And they leave you standing out there. They don't want nothing to do with you no more because you don't got anything that they need. Amen. And so the Bible says that this this boy, this young man, he realized that he was in a bad situation. He realized that he needed to go back to where his life was good and his life was positive. And so the Bible says that he came to his senses. That's powerful. I wish more people would come to their senses. And realize that that it's much better that your worst day in the Lord is going to be better than your best day in the world. (laughs) And so the Bible says that he came to his senses uh, and he says, man, I was better in my father's house. Uh, And you know the powerful thing we're talking about, the ministry of restoration. We got to look at the behavior of the father. We got to adopt the 
the Father's philosophy. We got to adopt the way. We got to behave like the Father when the fallen want to come back. Amen. You see, the Father didn't ask him anything. He didn't ask him, hey, where are you at? Where'd you spend that money? What did you do? Who were you with? Where were you staying? He didn't want the details. Amen. He didn't tell his son, man, you look shot out, son. Where you been? Man, you look all messed up. You've been drinking, huh? He didn't say that, Brother Greg. He didn't ask nothing. He didn't tell him anything. He didn't want details. Uh, he didn't say, you look terrible, brother. You look terrible, sister. The father didn't say, I told you so. I told you this would happen if you left the church. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people telling, there's a lot of churches telling people, if you leave this church, you're going to go to hell. And the only way you can make it to heaven is if you're in this church. There ain't no other churches but this one. This is the only one going to heaven. Amen. And so the father didn't do that. The father just received him. The Bible says that he saw him from far off. He didn't even wait for him to come to the gate. He didn't wait for him to come to the door. He ran to him. And the Bible says that he threw his arms around him. He hugged him. He kissed him. He put a robe and a ring on his finger. He gave him some shoes because he came barefooted and he killed the fatted calf that they had and they threw him a party. They didn't take him into a room and interrogate him and they didn't make him feel more ashamed or more embarrassed than he already was. You know, there was a time my wife and I, we were at a, 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 a place years ago, amen, and, and I, uh, we missed church two Sundays. I said, ooh, pastor, you missed church two Sundays? Don't get any ideas. All right? But we had missed a Sunday. I think we got sick. Uh, uh, and then uh, a Sunday we had already had a planned uh, uh, vacation or something. And, and we went back to church. And they didn't come up to me. But they went up to her. And I don't know. I believe they gave you a visitor's card. And said, here, sister, you, you, you might want to fill this out. Instead of saying, hey, praise the Lord, we heard you were ill, but the church was praying for you. Hey, we, we're glad you're in the house of the Lord. Let's worship together. Let's praise together. Uh, let's sing the songs together. No, where were you at? Uh, what were you doing? Why weren't you here? Amen. And the father, if we could just get to the place, amen. You see, the father didn't criticize him. He didn't make him feel bad. Why? Because he was already ashamed. He was already humiliated. He was already embarrassed. And can I tell you today, uh, church, that it's not that the fallen, it's not that they don't know how to come back to the church. It's that they're afraid of how they're going to be received by the church. Because too many times the church receives an individual that has fallen away like the prodigal 
son's brother. And I feel it in my spirit. I feel it with all of my heart that the church, I've seen the church, I've been in the church long enough to see how people are treated when they fall away and how they're treated when they come back. And they have the tendency to pick up the prodigal son's brother's mentality. Let's read that in the book of Luke, chapter 15. We're going to keep going on that one, but we're going to go to. F- Verse 25. Actually. Yeah, in verse 25. So this is after this is after the prodigal son came back. This is after him coming back from living a prodigal life. He was out there in the world and he was doing his thing. And he comes back to the father's house. Remember, he had a brother. He was one of two siblings. And the Bible says this. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and he heard dancing. Remember, they threw the the brother a party. They were throwing him a party because once he was lost and now he is found. Amen. And the father said, yeah, party time. He's back in the house. But the older son was in the field, and as he came near and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Well, hey, what's going on? Why is there a party in the house? And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf and threw him a party. But the Bible says that he was angry and he wouldn't go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat so that I can go throw a party with my friends. But as soon as this son... But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. You know, church, that's a powerful portion of Scripture right there because it shows uh, uh, two different types of churches. It shows us one church that is loving. It shows us one church that is forgiving. It shows us one church that has mercy. But then it also shows us another church that has no love, that has no forgiveness, that has no mercy. And I want to be that church that has love and that has mercy and that will help restore an individual. Can you say amen? Amen. The older brother threw a tantrum. 
He was angry at how his brother was being received. What did he say? Just like Satan, I will ascend above the, uh, the, the, the hills. I will this. I will that. I will be great. I will do these things. I will be higher than God. What did his brother say? I have been serving you. I never disobeyed you. You never gave me a cap so I could throw a party with my friends. It was all about him. He didn't even acknowledge him as his brother. He said, what did he say? He said, this son of yours has come back. He wasn't happy that, hey, my brother's back. Man, it's so good to see you. Man, it's so good you're safe. I'm glad. Come on in, brother. Come on in. It don't matter where you've been. It don't matter who you've been with. It don't matter where you spent it. It don't matter. It don't matter. It don't matter. What matters is that you're here. And if we could just get to a place today, amen, where we, we know how to, how to receive those fallen individuals. Uh, because I could tell you this, that if you don't know how to receive somebody who's broken, uh, then you're probably the next one to fall. Oh, hallelujah. Because the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verses 18 and 19, it says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It says better to be, a to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. In other words, it's better to be around those that know they need God than those that don't. Amen. And so Paul is telling the church to consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. Church, can I tell you today, don't ever think that it can't happen to you. Don't for one minute ever think that it cannot happen to you. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's going to happen next week, and we don't know what's going to happen Next month. Remember, flesh is flesh. And the flesh is constantly battling against the spirit. The Bible says in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says, Paul says, walk in the spirit. And if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust, the desires of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And those are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. And so it's easy to judge. It's easy to criticize. It's easy to ostracize. It's easy to block or unfriend someone on social media. It's easy to tell lies because they left your church instead of restoring Instead of mending, amen, we, we do more breaking, we do more damage, amen, and we push them further away from the Lord. Amen, it's quiet in here today, but that's good. Because we need to know these things, church, because God is going to open the floodgates of heaven and everybody that has left uh, a church is going to come back and the church has to know how to receive them. 
Your father's going to come back. Your mother's going to come back. Your children are going to come back. Your grandchildren are going to come back. And we need to learn how to receive these people so that we can help them make heaven their home. Amen. Amen. The Bible says this in the book of Luke, chapter 15 and verse 10. Jesus says, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Amen. There is joy in heaven. There is a party going on over one sinner who repents. And lastly, my last point. As we talked about the ministry of restoration, we talked about the manner of restoration, but now I want to drop this on you, which is the motive of restoration. Oh, help us, Jesus, the motive of restoration. What should be our motive to restore an individual? Is it because they're a great teacher? Is it because they're a great preacher? Is it because they were a great singer or a great musician? Because they were an awesome usher or a great greeter and they were a people person? Amen? Is the motive money? Huh? That individual was a good tither? That individual funded the church? Amen. We're short on the rent. Go find that family. They were good givers. Go bring them back. You see, it might sound funny, but that's how some churches operate. Go get them. We need that tithe. Go get them. We need that offering. Go get them. We need that musician. Go get them. We need that singer. Go get them. We need that greeter. Go get them. Go get her. Amen. And so what is the motive of restoration? The motive of restoration that we and you, me and you should have is found in the book of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. We read it. Our motive is this. Simply to bear one another's burdens. To fulfill the law of Christ. That's it. Has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with ministry. It has nothing to do with directorship. It has nothing to do with anything. But other than the fact that we are fulfilling the law of Christ. That is our motive, to bear one another. Brother, it's my responsibility to help you bear your burdens. And it's your responsibility to help me bear mine. I need you, brother. We need each other. Amen. And so the only motive should be that we take as many people as we can to heaven. That's the motive. Why are you doing this for me, pastor? Why are you doing this for me, brother? Why are you doing this for me? Because I love you and I want you to worship with me at the throne of God. Not because I need anything from you. Because God is my banker. Amen. God is my provider. And if it was established by God, then he's going to do everything he can to provide for it. And so the only motive that Christian Restoration Center Church should have is to win souls and to help people make heaven their home. Amen.
It is our duty as Christians to bear one another's burdens, not to cut them off, uh, not to bring them down, uh, not to make them feel bad, uh, not to judge them, uh, not to criticize. Rather, we're called to build them up. We're called to receive them without question. That's why we are called Christian Restoration Center Church. Because it don't matter where you've been. It don't matter what you've done. It don't matter what side of the tracks you grew up on. It don't matter. It don't matter. It don't matter. What matters is you're my brother and I'm your brother and we're going to go to heaven together. That's it. That's the motive. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And so, church, we need to get into to a place to, we're going to be receiving some people here pretty soon. God's getting ready to, to open up the windows of heaven and bring all these people back. But he's not going to bring them to a people that aren't going to receive them the right way. And I'm going to come to a close. Amen. If we could all just stand to our feet this morning. And I know this is a little different than what we normally do on Sunday. I told you I wanted to start teaching the church. I want to start educating the church. Because, and not that you guys don't know how to receive. You know, I've been told that that for being such a small church, we got the love of a mega church in this place. You don't have to be a big church. You just have to have the love of Christ. Because how many times have we fallen? How many times have we gone astray? How many times did we find ourselves like the prodigal son and we're out there prodigal living? Or maybe you've fallen in the church. Maybe you're struggling in the church. And all it takes is that one individual to come and to look at you sideways. Or to say the wrong thing. And when an individual is down, most of the time they're in their flesh and they're thinking in the flesh. And so the Bible says, you which are spiritual, be gentle. Be gentle. You know, God is still doing a work in my life. He's still sanding those rough edges. Because I'm like that drill sergeant in the army. that'll say some things because I want to build a strong army 
But in the church, it's not like that. People are looking for people. Now, I'm not saying passive. The church is not called to be passive. The church is not called to be sissified. You can't be walking around in your feelings and, and all hurt in your emotions because so-and-so looked at me wrong and so No, no, no. You're not there for so-and-so. You're here for him. And so if so-and-so looked at you wrong and said whatever, you just got to take it to him. I'm talking about receiving people and building them up to a place where whatever so-and-so says doesn't have them running off back into the world all hurt and frustrated at the church. Pastor's mad at me. I'm not going to church no more. Pastor said this. I'm not going to church no more. Pastor corrected me. I'm not going to church no more. Well, I hope you're not coming for me. I'm coming for him. But we have to get to a place, church, where we can receive an individual. People need to come back. And so I'm going to end with this question here. Who wants to join me in the ministry of restoration? Who wants to join me today? And the ministry of restoration. Paul says, brethren, if a man is taken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, and to bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Right there where you're at, I'm going to ask you to bow your head. As we open up this altar. Father, we love you. Father, we appreciate you, Lord, and we thank you. Father, for this place, we thank you for your word. Father, I come to hear your word. I come to this place to be influenced by you because it is your word that changes. It is your word that empowers. It is your word that moves. And right now I want to open up this altar because we have to be ready. If we're not ready and we're still holding on to some things and and we're still holding on to a grudge or we're still holding on to a, a hurt word or we're still holding on to something. A bad doctor can't heal someone. You know, my wife went to the doctor a couple of days ago and had some blood drawn and now her arm is all black and purple. Obviously, that individual didn't treat her gently. And she'll probably not want to go see that person again. 
So you and I need to get to a place where we can let go of those things that are going to hinder our job at restoring somebody. We can't help somebody if we're not in the right place. And so I want to open up this altar just for a few minutes for that individual that wants to come and lay something down at the feet of Jesus that is going to make you a better individual to be able to receive somebody because they're coming, church, and we need to be ready. This altar is open.